Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. The U.S. Fed held interest rates this week and in their press release announced that they project three rate cuts in 2024. And while this might be really welcome news to some people, these cuts are essentially coming to help stimulate a suffering economy. So we're going to share what the cuts will potentially mean for housing here in Canada and, of course, the overall economy in 2024. This will tee us up for a very interesting year. So let's dive into it. And just before we do, quick update before we get into the details. Well, Ryan and I, we run a real estate team here called the Vancouver Life Real Estate Group. And we've created an environment for real estate agents to thrive. And we're here to share with realtors that we're looking to grow. Yeah, realtors who join us and our team, they're going to have access to the same leads, top-tier coaching, social media training, and modern marketing techniques that are required to be a success in any marketplace. So if you know a realtor who would benefit by joining a top-tier producing real estate team, have them go to thevancouverlife.com forward slash join, and let's connect today. Perfect. Okay, let's get into what is important in Canadian real estate this week. As mentioned, the U.S. Fed held rates at their final rate decision meeting of the year. And while that was expected, what really wasn't was that they were announcing their intention to cut rates three times in 2024. This accounts for one more additional cut than had been originally projected back in September. So as we see in both Canada and in the States, the trend for rate cuts has really become increased as far as both the volume and the veracity. So more cuts and sooner than expected. Previous to this, up in Canada, the Bank of Canada held rates as well this month with uh, the economists and traders now pricing in four to five rate cuts in 2024 for a total of 125 basis points. And the first cut is currently expected to be in March. So when we talk about the expectations changing over time, it was only two weeks ago that the same traders and economists had expected only a 0.75 basis point cut within all of next year in Canada. And of course, they had predicted that they would start in the month of April. Now it's already into March. So the Fed's announcing this. It will definitely come as a reprieve to the Bank of Canada because the Canada Uh, the Bank of Canada, our central bank, has to be very wary of cutting rates too far ahead of the states. Because of course, if they do, this means it will hurt the Canadian dollar and it'll dramatically increase the price of imports, which will ultimately lead to further inflation. So depending on which side of the coin you are, this news is either probably very welcome, you know, for mortgage holders uh, or possibly upsetting if you are on the other side there. But either way, 2024 looks to be the year of rate cuts and we can just plan accordingly. We can't control the cuts or the hikes, but we can do our best to prepare for them. So what do these potential rate cuts actually mean for mortgages and mortgage holders? Well, first let's look to the five-year bond, which is now uh, at about 3.2-3.3%, which is about 120-130 basis point drop since the peak back in October. So fixed rate mortgages, which are attached to these, are following suit. 
They're down about 40 basis points so far and falling. So if you were to go and get a fixed rate mortgage today, you're getting those in the mid to high fives. And it was only last month where they were all starting with a six in front of them. When we look to the bond yield's history here, the last time the bond yield was at the level it was today, uh, which was about eight months ago, you could get a fixed term mortgage with a four handle in front of it. So why is it different uh, now than then? Well, quite simply, when interest rates are sorry, when the bond yields increase, banks are very quick to follow suit. Banks love to make more money and they'll increase. But when the bond rate lowers, banks are slower to follow suit because they want to make sure that it kind of hits a trend line and it becomes stable there. Either way, there's obviously a fair amount of room for fixed rates to come down as should the bond yields basically sustain or continue to drop in around this 3.2, 3.3 level. Ultimately, this is translating into an improved level of affordability. We have now seen three consecutive months in which mortgage payment required to buy the typical home in Canada has fallen. So we're down about $145 per month over that three-month time frame. This is welcome news as housing affordability set an all-time record low in Q3, according to the BOC. It's never been harder or more expensive to buy a home as of last quarter, but we are seeing those initial signs of this easing. So now we are here in Q4. We've got home prices coming down in almost every province. We've got fixed rate mortgages coming down. We've got affordability improving, and we are now being told that rate cuts are coming, potentially as soon as three months from now. So again, to get really hyper-specific on what these rate cuts could mean to mortgage holders or potential home buyers. Let's say at the end of 2024, we are looking at a total of 100 basis points cut. As a buyer, that increases your buying power if you are to buy to your maximum by about 10%. So let's say today you qualify for an $800,000 home. By the end of 2024, that will increase to about $880,000. On the other side, for our mortgage holders of variable rate mortgages, let's say your mortgage payment today is $4,000. Same thing, 100 basis points equals about a 10% reprieve. So that same $4,000 per month variable rate mortgage payment today will come down to about $3,600 uh, at the end of the year, dropping 10% or 400 bucks. Now, rate cuts aren't done just to help uh, mortgage holders or potential home buyers, right? When, when the central bankers lower the overnight interest rate, it's typically being done because the economy is suffering, because there are extensive job losses, and they need to stimulate things. They need to kind of bring it back. These uh, examples here, they point to serious issues that really uh, are driving the decision of our central bankers. Because again, they're seeing a lot of things. They have an immense amount of data and they know things are getting a little ugly out there. And I think Ryan will point to a few more specifics as to why the sentiment and the tone has changed with central bankers from being very hawkish to now a very dovish tone. Yeah, Dan, you're, you're spot on there. And uh, I'm going to go into quite some detail here. And then uh, I'm also going to talk about uh, a recent Global Mail article released by David Rosenberg, who's a, a very well-known economist. Uh, and he's predicting some very interesting things for Canadian real estate and the Canadian economy as a whole. Uh, but before I get there, let's consider why rates would cut sooner than we may have predicted earlier in the year. 
So we're 20 months into the rate hiking cycle here, and we're really starting to see these effects finally taking place. Q3 GDP came in a lot weaker than expected, down 1.1%. Q2 was down 0.2%, but has been revised to plus 1.4%, meaning <laughs> we're not in a technical recession anymore. However, these things are getting massaged like crazy. So we got to look at more metrics here. If we start looking at GDP per capita, we're down 2% year over year on a per capita basis. And that, for the average person, is going to feel like a recession. This is a negative amount not seen since the global financial crisis. And today's per capita GDP is the fourth lowest in history, dating back to 1965. Consumer confidence is probably even lower than that, but it really illustrates the sentiment out there. The November index, for example, saw an even further decline in this metric, now sitting below the global financial crisis levels. That's a hell of a statement. Unemployment, as we know, has been on the rise. It sits at 5.8% and has seen a full percentage point hike Sorry, from the cycle low. Historically, this metric means a recession is almost all but certain. The other factor about unemployment is that once it reaches this level of change, it typically gains momentum too. And unemployment levels have a very real potential in the coming months, at least in my opinion, to get quite a bit worse before they're going to get better. On top of this, the amount of hours worked in the average work week has dropped dramatically as well. Hours worked fell 0.7% last month and is down 1% over the last three months. This would equal to 180,000 jobs lost over that very same period. That's a huge number. So the industry is under, understandably directly tied to the economy. Uh, this sector has, you know, cut jobs for, sorry, the financial industry, excuse me, is un understandably directly tied to the economy. And this sector has cut jobs for four straight months to the tune of 4.4% collectively, the largest four-month decline in 50 years. If people aren't utilizing the financial sector, they will lay people off, and that is a humongous indicator as to where we are. Collectively, this information points to a rapidly slowing economy. So whatever you want to call this, whether we're technically in a recession or not, we're certainly not growing. And so... I guess the rate hikes have done their intended job, although they tend to wipe out the people who didn't cause the inflation in the first place. So that being said, what happens next? Well, here, check out this article, and, and you may have read some of it if you subscribe to the Globe and Mail, but David Rosenberg, he is promising that the recession in Canada is going to come earlier and be far more severe than what we see down south. And if everyone's just noticed, with the feds down south now pointing to rate cuts, it's like they've suddenly woken up to a recession being around the corner. And it won't be a pretty picture down there either, but it paints a bad picture for the Canadian dollar. So check out some of these quotes. But an even more deeply rooted problem is that we have had a government that caused an economy to become addicted to debt and excessive house price inflation and papered over these problems by promoting an immigration boom. But the issue with the unprecedented population growth 
is that it isn't even paying for itself. The Canadian yield curve has been inverted since July of 2022, and only four other times in recorded history has it been as inverted as it is today. Except for the summer of 1962, every inversion has led to a recession. So, you've got to ask yourself, why are Canadian banks tightening their credit guidelines and boosting their loan loss provision rates? Because they're forward-looking. So they are seeing a recession coming. Even though the Bank of Canada won't call for it, they're talking about a soft landing, follow the money. Real GDP growth in Canada has slowed markedly from a hot 4% a year ago to a chilly 0.5% as of the third quarter. There's no more fiscal stimulus, and the bite from our radical tightening, uh, monetary tightening policy is really taking bites out of, out of our GDP. But what's also really interesting is when you look at real domestic income, not, not product, but income, this paints an even darker picture. This metric of economic activity has contracted four of the five past quarters and is down nearly 1% on a year-over-year basis, even when you consider the population boom. Instead of promoting productivity and capital investment, the Canadian government now has been spurring on housing and credit, credit bubble of epic proportions. Check this out. Household debt relative to disposable income has mushroomed to 172%. That is 30 percentage points higher than the peak bubble in 06 and 07 that led to the 08 financial crisis. So we've reached a point now in Canada where nearly 15 cents of every after-tax dollar is being drained to service debt. Right where this ratio was prior to 2001 and 2008 economic downturns. In fact, the total debt service ratio for the personal sector is higher now than it was in, in the spring of 1990, and that was one of Canada's most horrible recessions. So what's key here to understand is that at that time, the BOC policy rate was 13%, at a time when the household debt ratio was 89%, about half of what I just said. So today, we have a 5% interest rate doing the damage that a 13% interest rate used to unleash because of our debt. So unfortunately, statistics are really all we have to kind of look forward into this, uh, I guess, murky sort of storm that we're headed into. But the data is all we've got to go by. And it's kind of scary when you consider that. And kind of why we think that rates may be more aggressive on their way down than what they're currently talking about now. So obviously a very tough position to be in as a central banker, because of course you've got all those metrics that Ryan just touched on, speaking to how much the economy is suffering, the job losses are increasing, and people are looking to be, well, saved once again, if you will. But on the other side of that, if these rates come down, what are people going to do? They're going to start borrowing again and becoming further indebted at a time where they all are already, at least here in Canada, at an all-time high for debt-to-income to, uh, ratios. So tough place to be in. Like Ryan touched on here as well, consumer sentiment, based on all this information, no kidding that they are basically sitting in the dumps. It's almost all-time low here, right? The, the average consumer does not feel very optimistic about the future whatsoever. 
But what is very interesting is the real estate outlook has actually shifted and tilted upwards. And this is coming on the backs of, of the Bank of Canada holding rates for the last three consecutive meetings here. So since it kind of bottomed back in November, the outlook has increased for four weeks in a row now and is up a total of five points. This is the best four weeks showing since June of this year. And it ultimately means that people have a slightly increased faith in the real estate market and most importantly, its outlook for the foreseeable future. Consider this an early indicator of what can happen to the real estate sales volumes in 2024. And this positive trend, this four-week uptick, this was taking place prior to the Fed's rate hold and cut prediction released just this week. Meaning that real estate sentiment may have already bottomed out and could rise further in 2024, especially after these first cuts take place. And like it or not, what will likely happen once these cuts take place? Well, there will be a lot of people who have been on the sidelines waiting for a more positive environment to come off the sidelines and start buying. So if we combine both a typically more active spring market with rate cuts, there's going to be a bit of a flurry. I don't think it's going to be a near blow off kind of season like we saw during COVID, but it will send things upwards, most likely. And that is essentially the last thing that the central banks want to see as well, because they don't want to see house prices increase and further contribute to a potentially re-increasing of inflation. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, what I just talked about there certainly paints a, a bit of a dark picture without a doubt. But you got to remember that the household sector, the housing part of the economy typically leads the business sector, right? So you'll see the housing sector of the economy improve before the business sector does. So, uh, you know, like Dan said, I, I'm also anticipating something uh, of similar outcomes so long as, you know, not everybody loses their job in the process. <laughs> um, but uh, let's take a quick look here um, at the condo market, especially in, in Toronto here, because it really helps paint a, a picture of the overall sentiment as we've been talking about. So get, get some of this. Cash flow on the average Toronto condo bought today with an 80% loan to value at market rent set a fresh new record in negative cash flow. Monthly, you'd be looking at negative $1,425 a month. It's been three years now since buying a condo with these metrics would put you in a negative monthly balance and it's getting worse every single year. This is ultimately pushing investors to the sidelines. How couldn't it, right? This can be seen in new condo sales hitting a record low back to 2004. On top of this, the annual rate of change in the asking price of unsold new condos has been negative for all of 2023. It's now hovering about 10% lower. That's something we haven't seen in nearly 10 years years, a full decade. So we will start to see condos in Toronto become more attractive to end users as prices come down and as interest rate cuts begin, so long as their rents remain near their all-time highs. I mean, why, why wouldn't somebody buy as opposed to rent when your monthly cash flows are going to be somewhat similar? An increased amount of people will also be able to look at purchasing as potentially an affordable alternative to renting. So 
or living with your, your mom or dad in that basement suite, which no one wants to be doing. So Dan, what are we going to do with these impending rate cuts? What are we going to advise people? Where should they be looking? What should they be doing? Of course. So we're going to talk about the housing market, right? That's where we are experts in. So there's a lot of moving pieces here with rate cuts. And if you're looking at other types of investments, you know, there's other people and other professionals to talk to. But yeah, with rate cuts, first thing to talk about when sentiment rises, when there's more positivity, more froth in real estate, we historically will see an increase in sales volumes and sales prices. We know, again, looking and referencing history here, every time there's a reduction in average sales volumes, it does result in pent-up demand. And that pent-up demand can get pushed out months or years. But when we look at the last two years, we've seen a pretty dramatic slowdown in sales. And we know from our boots on the ground, from talking to how many clients we have, so many of them are just waiting for that first rate cut. That's when people feel like it'll be time to come back and buy again. Remember, this is a funny thing about human behavior when it comes to, to real estate. So many people, when you're looking to buy or, or, or upsize, really, so many people like to take about a three to six month vision of where their home price is going to be. You know, will it be worth more in three to six months than when I buy it today? And just, you know, it's a bit short sighted, obviously, to be honest here, because keep in mind, the average person who buys a home today is going to be paying a mortgage for 20 plus years, sometimes 25, sometimes the full 30, sometimes longer. So it, it just keep in mind that you're buying a home that you can afford today and rates are going to fluctuate throughout the entire duration of that home ownership. So try to maybe, you know, have a little bit more holistic vision of what rates are going to be over that next 20, 30 years and just make sure you can afford it then as opposed to just worrying that it's going to be worth a bit more or it's just a little bit more affordable over the next three to six months because rates can rise anytime, like we just mentioned. So if we do see a flood back to the marketplace, we can certainly expect that currently dovish tone to turn hawkish again. They can turn, they can hold, they could rise again. So just be cautious and, and do this intelligently. And then just as a quick reminder, 100 basis points equals about a 10% um, increase in buying power or a decrease in payments. So some kind of numbers you can start to wrap your head around and plan if making a move or if refinancing or if lower payments are going to affect your day-to-day -day and livelihood over the next year and of course beyond. Largely agree with everything you're saying here, especially when it comes to sentiment. Sentiment's this, it's this big thing, especially in Vancouver. You know, when, when we see a lot of buyers start to come off the sidelines and we start to see that market rise, uh, a lot of people tend to follow suit, right? And there's a lot of buyers who are, are sitting on the sidelines right now. There's, there's loads of them. We've been talking to a ton of them and we've got sellers that are coming to the marketplace who have been waiting for these rate cuts for that affordability factor. So in the hopes that their buyers can actually pay more for the properties they purchased. But like Dan said, this is about long-term ownership, buying a house that you can afford, making sure your monthlies are within the band that you, you know, your, your income would allow for. And so that you're not going to be house poor. We're not here to pump the market. We're not here to tell you, you know, you should be buying the most that your, your pre-approval will allow for, but you've got to be smart with this. Making the investment is the right call. 
but making making sure you're within that band of affordability is even more important. Exactly right. And so if you've been considering a refinance, a investment, a purchase, a sale, anything like that, obviously every person's situation is absolutely unique to them. And we'd be more than happy to jump on a, a call. You know, you can book a time with us using the Calendly link below and we'll explore what your options may be. And of course, what they may be in six to 12 months from now. So let's wrap it up there. Thanks as always for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend and we will see you next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.